Clinton's free ball in it today. That's what we get. It's all right. My mind is sharp. I retain things. Do you? Do you? <sighs> Here we are again. Do we need to check levels? No. It's already recording. <laughs> Actually, I'm enjoying these this fried smorgasbord. Yeah, this is a uh, this is a heartburn brunch just waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. And this vodka and orange juice is clearly going to help heartburn. <laughs> Too much? You like a strong drink. That is a strong drink. Right? <laughs> that is... Cheers. That drink is not playing around. Welcome to Murder Brunch. We're the Murder Brunch Bunch. I'm Clinton. I'm Rachel. I'm Joe. And this is the podcast where we bring you two tales of mayhem and murder and evaluate where a killer falls on Dr. Michael Stone's scale of evil. Beautiful. Look at you. So proud. Two years and I finally do it. You finally did it. He did it. It hasn't even been one year. <laughs> I know. When would our anniversary be? October. October. We started in October? Mm-hmm. Yes. I know we did the Halloween episode. Was that that was in the middle of the first season? Mm-hmm. Because that was yep. like episode four. Okay. Wow. So we got a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll have or to do five. something special for our anniversary. Gifts. <laughs> <laughs> I loved giving a gift. You, I gave you gifts last time. I, I love my pen. Yeah, I do too. We have a very low-key brunch today. Yeah, our schedule got a little messed up, so we're coming to you... Not on a brunchy kind of day, not at a brunchy kind of time. <laughs> Nor with brunchy kind of food. But the important thing is we're here. Yes, we're absolutely. We're here mm-hmm. and we have murders to tell and killers to, as Clinton said, evaluate. Evaluate. I like that. Uh, that's the word you were looking for last week. Oh, was we it? Or was it you? It was me. Yeah. I was looking for that word. <clears throat> I don't look for words. They readily come to me. <laughs> Some of this, though, could count as brunch. We've got some fried mushrooms. I think that's that's, that's brunch fair. Fried uh, pickles, absolutely. Fried brunch. pickles, the corn nuggets. Those could potentially be a brunch thing. Chicken wings. I eat chicken. Sure. No. Um, some French hot, fries. <laughs> we have hot Jezebel again, which is delicious. Oh, I'm actually Joe is hoarding that pretty much to herself. So I guess I brought Joe it. has hot Jezebel. <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> Uh, hey, it's the only thing I could trust now because I thought I was eating a corn nugget and it was a mushroom. So, <laughs> traitor, it betrayed then, me as I <laughs> as I took a bite. It was like no. And then for our cocktail tonight, today I don't know how are we framing this. For a cocktail right now, outside of time and space, is it's basically a, a fancy screwdriver. It's vodka and orange juice. But it's supposed to be made with Sky Vodka because the name of it is called the Skydiver. Okay. So, and it does indeed have to do with my tale of terror today. Ooh. Fun bit of trivia. DeLand, Florida is the uh, skydiving capital of the world. But you're right. Still a fun bit of trivia. It is a fun bit of trivia. And it's very weird because it is in the middle of nowhere, which I guess would be the best place for skydiving. All right, shall we get get into it? Go for it. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. I'm talking today about the Belgian skydiving incident. On November 18th, 2006, a woman named Els Van Doren, she's 38 years old, she went skydiving over the Zwartberg area at 13,000 feet. She made a formation with two other skydivers, 
a friend of hers, and her lover, Marcel Sowers. So the three of them are holding hands in the air. It's adorable. Fun. Coming behind them just a fraction too late was Els Clottermans. Now, our ladies in the story are both named Els, so I'm going to call them mostly by their last names, Van Doren and Clotterman, just so you know. Els Clotterman was only 23, but she was part of the group, and they had practiced the formation on the ground together with her being part of it, but she jumped out of the plane just a few seconds too late and missed it. At 3,200 feet, they broke hands to pull their chutes, and Ms. Van Doren's doesn't work. She tries in vain on the main chute, and then the reserve, nothing. Her boyfriend, Marcel Sowers, and Clottermans watch as Van Doren plummets to her death. And also that random guy who's in the sky with them. They all watch. Not only do they watch, but unfortunately, she is wearing a helmet camera that videotapes the whole thing. Once her body is recovered, the police realize the cords of her parachute have been cut. So Mm. foul play is afoot. So let's talk about this triangle of people. Van Doren was a married mother of two who was fooling around with Marcel Sowers. Sowers, Sowers, something like that. Unfortunately, he was also screwing Clodemans. Clodemans was younger and a school teacher. In fact, he was usually seeing Van Doren on Saturday and Clodemans on Friday. So it's unsure if Van Doren knew he was sleeping with Clodemans. But Clodemans knew she was number two to Van Doren. And she had been fine with it because she had such a low opinion of herself. These are direct quotes from some of the articles I read. But I guess she did not think very highly of herself and she was fine being. That's sad. You have a low self-esteem like that. Yeah. But also, just what are they doing together in the same place at the same time? They were all part of the skydiving group. But still. It seems like he's not handling his business. Mm. It's a different country. You know, there's some countries are a lot more, we come from puritanical America. Some countries are much more open about having But no, it's, it's not even that. Because, I mean, people in America, they're are polyamorous and everything like that. But it's like, if, if somebody doesn't know yeah. that you're sleeping with somebody else, and you bring that somebody else with you on a day trip. Oh, it gets better. It's just, someone's not handling their business. Okay, wait until you hear this. Just a real quick note. He was also supposedly trying to, sh- to shake off, quote unquote, Clodemans. So I guess he was screwing her, but he was also trying to get rid of her. So I don't know exactly how that was working out. I don't like this man. Yeah, he's not great. A week before the jump, the two women were staying over at his place. Like at the same time? Yep, with Van Doren in Marcel's bed and Clodemans on the couch. Wow. Yeah. This is all kinds of bad. So I'm guessing, I, I mean, Van Doren... For most of the articles I read, it says she does not know that he's sleeping with Clodemans, but I almost feel like at that point she must have realized something was weird. I don't know, because he Wait. did say make her, made her sleep on the couch. Yeah, so the we'll say the, the steady girlfriend is in his bed, yeah. the side girl is on the couch. Right. But even the steady girlfriend is married to somebody else. True. Yeah, with two kids. Right. Yeah, it's very complicated. Hey. And what's the husband? Love is an onion. Lots of layers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And people are liars. So on this night in particular, it was then that Clodemans allegedly cut the shoots as they were packed and ready to go. And she had the knowledge and, um, what's the word, uh, accessibility yeah. to, to do them while they were doing she each other. She had the opportunity. 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 I guess I and do motive. look for words. Mm-hmm. And motive, yeah. The... So she dies. Van Doren dies. The trial for Clodemans lasts four weeks. Prosecution wanted her to be sentenced to life in prison, but the judge asked the jury to consider two extenuating circumstances, her young age and mental instability. 
that there was hope for her yet. She was young, she had no record, that surely her brush with murder <laughs> could be just put aside. Although, so that is, again, to compare the United States to other places. In other places, the whole point is rehabilitation and Correct. getting people back to being productive members of society. That is true. That's and Typically, they don't put people back in holes for the rest of their lives. Yeah, really, in America, they only use that argument for men. Right. Um, how young is she? She was, at the time of the murder, she was 23. I, I don't know. It doesn't seem that young. Yeah. And it's important to remember that there was no forensic evidence to link Clodemans to this attack. Right. But she did have motive and opportunity. Police looked at her after she attempted a suicide a month after the incident. Ooh. And that's where the mental instability charge came from. Is that, look, she's obviously broken up about it. She tried to commit suicide. Let's give her a second chance. And um, take that as you will. Her defense attorney said after hearing a 68-page indictment against her, Ms. Clodemans has had some problems, but she is not a psychopath. I'm using that quote in particular because psychopathy comes in so much into our conversation. It sounds like at least no one, either prosecution or defense, had her tested for psychopathy. They obviously had her looked at for mental distress because of the suicide attempt. But either doctor said she was not psychopathic or she was never checked for it. In the end, she was sentenced to 30 years. Uh, she always denied everything. She denied she did had anything to do with this, but she, uh, you know, I mean, she was the only one who could, at, at basically is what prosecution was saying. After a third of her sentence was completed, she got to petition for parole, which it was part of this country's legal system, um, which includes going out during the day and returning to the prison at night. She was denied. Van Doren's husband and children have been against it from the beginning, especially because Clodemans doesn't admit to what she's allegedly done. So that is the Belgian skydiving incident. It's horrific. Like one of the quotes. Oh, I thought there was going to be. No, I know. A twist or a turn. This is a bit shorter than, so than typical. So it it's very much just like case closed. Yeah. And I actually, when I was first looking into it, I mean, it's just, it's just a horrific story as far as like. They have footage of her last moments and just that fear of, I'm I'm going to die. You know, I obviously, I did not seek out, I'm sure you can, I did not seek out this video to watch it. That's not my bag. It is for some people, but I don't like doing that kind of thing. But just knowing that you're in a position that you know you're going to die, it's being recorded, it's possible your kids are going to see it, which they probably did in the court. You know, I mean, it's just, it's it's disgusting and terrible and just... And she was having a great day, you know? I mean, she was just skydiving, having a good time. With her lover and her lover's lover? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awful. Also, when I was looking up this case, I really wanted to find out stuff about, like, Clodemans' history. And, like, did she have any other strange relationships in her past and stuff like that? But she's quite young at the time, 23. And then from then on out, she was in prison. So there was no real information about her past. I have a feeling she came from a pretty normal upbringing. You know, regular childhood. Don't really mention mom and dad or siblings. This case was very much uh, just covered of the moment when it all happened. Well, I mean, and that may very well have been like, what, a crime of passion, right? She's pissed that night because right. she's on the couch and she goes and cuts the cords and goes to sleep angry. And then when she wakes up, you know, how do you... 
tell people or how do you get out of that? Oh, I feel you say, uh, let's change out your, your parents. I mean, I feel like if, if there's to let it go as far as it did, she knew what she was doing. You know what I mean? Like there would be a point, like, even if you're that angry, you're like, look, I screwed up. I'm sorry, but I don't want this person to die. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So the fact that she let it go on. Oh, so interesting. Inevitable conclusion. I would, the direction of, she went after her, not him. Isn't that always the case? That happens quite a bit. Well, yeah. Because she was the reason why he wasn't going to be with her. When, obviously, that's not the reason because he was trying to get rid of her anyway, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, it's really sad and just completely fucked. Well, you... Her being so adamant that she had she didn't have anything to do with it almost makes me feel like maybe it was somebody else. Really? Yeah. I would be curious to see how like all of that like so after the incident occurred and they see that the they were cut and they start investigating, like I I'm just curious like how all of that does play out. Like when do they accuse her versus when does she tried for the suicide versus were there other suspects versus, you know, like all right. of that. As far as I can tell from the articles I've read, now obviously a podcast is going to have to do a deep dive on this one and really figure out what's going on with this lady. But as far as I can tell, they did not accuse Clodemans until after the suicide attempt. She was in the vicinity of the pack and she had, um, they, I think they knew about the night before, but I think they were giving her the benefit of the doubt until she did that, something that dramatic. Like, why would you kill yourself if not for guilt? You know, that kind of thing. So she, so that's when they arrested her, was after the suicide attempt. From what I know about skydiving, because I have a couple friends who are skydivers, the pack, once you become a, not, a, not necessarily a professional, but once you become expert enough in it that you're doing it by yourself. Yeah, you're no longer you, tandem. Right. You, you definitely pack your own pack. You are in charge of it. Nobody else touches it. That's so, not true. Well, just from just from the skydivers that I've talked to. Oh, because they have professional packers. Sure, but I think these people in particular, like they were, they did their own packing okay. and stuff like that. And I don't think Van Doren would have been like leaving her pack around for lots of people to have access to it. I think I think the cops would have considered that. In which case, it was really that night before, and that was it. So, and they said it would have taken thirty seconds, and if from someone who knew what they were doing, and Clodemans knew which cords to cut. Creepy. Very. So then it's interesting, a case that has no physical evidence, but it's all like the only person who had access to it, and therefore the only person who could do it was Clodemans. Right. In which case, you know, let me just put a little statement on there for Murder Brunch. You know, if it comes back later that someone else did this, we'll take her right off the scale. <laughs> but I think at this point, we don't have much of a choice. Like, I think she's, I think she's the only culprit they've had in mind. So if it or turns out least. it was Marcel or something like that, but I think if I also I don't this is a little bit of speculation, but I think if it was someone else, then she might have said, "Well, why don't you look at that person?" Or you know what I mean? Like it feels like, and all she's well, even like the other person that jumped with them that day, right, said, or, or something like that. But she's always just been like, "I didn't do it." Well, if it was Marcel and she's still holding a torch, right, she wouldn't point the finger at him. Mm. I mean, I don't think it was Marcel. He was fucking Van Doren the whole time, so. Sleeping with, excuse me. <laughs> yes. Can we please be a little genteel around here? <laughs> As we talk about this love triangle. Yes. So yeah, it's a it's a bit of a mess. It's a bit of a mess. So as far as I know, she is still in prison. 
Well, let's put this mess on the scale. All right. And the scale we're referring to is from Dr. Michael Stone in his beloved text, Anatomy of Evil, which you can find at Amazon and also, you know, other book carriers. (laughs) Wherever you buy books. Sure. Um, But he has created for us a scale of evil ranging from category one. What is category one? Oh, sorry. Category one, (laughs) justifiable homicide. All the way up to category 22. Psychopathic torture murders with torture as the primary motive. The motive need not always be sexual. And I have a feeling this one's going to be a pretty easy one as well. I literally went for number two, which is jealous lovers, immature people, whatever that one is. What is that one? Category two, jealous lovers, egocentric, immature people committing crimes of passion. Yeah. Although I would like to take, you know me, I'm the biggest Michael Stone stand there is, but... I would like to take just a little bit of, what's the word, umbrage at the term crimes of passion. I really hate that term because crimes of passion makes it sound romantic and it makes it sound like there's actual love involved and stuff like that. And I just find it to be... It, it oh, romantic. Yeah. No, we had that conversation before. We called it a, a crime of impulse. Yeah, yeah. Where it's just it just seems inappropriate. So I just heat of the moment. Throw, yeah, I'm just throwing that out there again. Crimes of passion heat is just a bleh, of kind of the oh, Asia. Um, okay. it's one of those <laughs> terms that I'm just not a fan of. It's an old term. Yeah, of course, of course. I'm just saying. I mean, they've used that forever, right? Yeah, it's been around for a long time. But honestly, I don't think there's anywhere else on the scale, only because. Like, if, if this was completely unrequited, like, if Marcel was not sleeping with her or something like that, we could argue it. But they, they were sleeping together. You know what I mean? Like, she was jealous of the fact that another woman had her man. So, I really don't think it would fit. And even the immaturity part, she was fairly, you know, 23 isn't super old. She, it's, it sounds like she's immature in, the, in terms of how relationships work, <laughs> you know? So, even the egocentricity. The fact that she thought she could get away with this. I mean, that's another part of this that we really haven't discussed. But cutting the parachute cords. She didn't poison Van Doren. She didn't stab her in the heart while she was sleeping with Marcel. She cut the cords, in in my well, opinion. No, because she wanted to get away with it. Because she thought she could get away yes, with it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. She thought that would look like an accident. So I, I think that's pretty egocentric to think you could do that. Well, it's also very naive to think that cutting a cord looks the same as an accidental rip or something like that, you know? Right. Hmm. So. Yes. A couple things then to discuss. Uh, So one, I'm curious if, as much as you hate the term crime of passion, like that to me feels like I'm worked up, I'm killing you now. A cutting of the cords and waiting 24 hours and watching you die. Like I know she did the act in that moment, but... I don't know. I feel like the... That's a little more premeditated. Uh, like there a little bit. There wasn't a, you know, your vision turns red and you black out from anger for 24 hours. It wasn't until hours. you were bl- washing the blood off your hands. Which <laughs> you've been doing really well, so. um, of course, Velma Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, the, it, exactly though. And, and it's like we've all, you know, we've all gone to bed angry. And sure, then, uh, cut when a few you, parachute cords. When you wake up refreshed, you wouldn't have done what you'd would have done while you were angry but she had the chance yeah like we said to walk this back and stop it and still went through so i think it's possible to say it moves a little past crime of passion interesting where would you put it at i'm not sure yet but similar in the same second uh category which is impulsive murders in persons without psychopathic features you mentioned category two a category six is impetuous, hot-headed murders, yet without marked psychopathic traits. 
So that's at the uh, the furthest reach of the impulsive murders. Right before it, I don't think quite counts, but traumatized desperate persons who will kill relatives or others yet have remorse. No. She doesn't have any remorse. Yeah, she still claims she didn't do it. So She did try to it. kill herself. That's yeah. not remorse. That's trying to get out of guilt. That's trying so she doesn't feel bad. That's not feeling bad for other people. In this case, I'm not saying all suicides. Well, yeah, that. I mean, also, but it is one of those things that if you did have remorse, then you wouldn't keep a front. Yeah. But yes, it has to be, it, it, it has to waffle either between two or six. So the uh, crime of passion read, or impetuous. Read six one more time. Impetuous, hot-headed murders, yet without marked psychopathic traits. To me, that sounds more like a bar fight. Impetuous, hot-headed, in the moment, you piss me off, I piss you off, you pull a knife. We're dead. You know what I mean? Like, that feels more like impetuous, hot-headed. The fact that number two has jealous lovers as part of it, I feel like really captures what this one was about. I know, but if I just agreed, then this wouldn't be any fun. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fine. That's why I bring it to you. But I do say the, uh, I think most people would think of a crime of passion is the act happens in the moment and is over with. It's not a... I'm super worked up. Snip, snip. Now I'm going to wait. So I think that depends on... uh, Okay, so now we're arguing semantics again, which we often do. I think that depends on how you justify passion. Like, I think in this particular case, it's a crime of passion as in we have sex and I enjoy it and you're taking it away from me kind of thing and giving it to someone else. She absolutely could have woken up still just as angry and ready for her to die. One of um, one of the articles was even saying that the reason she did it was because she could hear them in the other room having sex. And so it was like pushing her over the yeah, edge. Yeah, but I would imagine just... Then fucking leave. Well, then leave. What are you doing there? Even before that, the yeah. whole like, oh yeah, you could come over. You can sleep on the couch. Yeah. Like or, that is... Well, I mean, even the I'm number two in this relationship. That's cool with me. Like there, there was a lot of red flags leading up to this moment. But poor Claudia. Yeah, I mean, just putting yourself Actually, in that Actually, poor Van Doren. <laughs> I don't know who to feel bad for in this case. <laughs> putting yourself into a situation like that, it's never going to turn out good for anybody. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. But I don't think she was hurt enough to be traumatized, for sure. Although, as you did mention, she was 23. A lot of people do very stupid stuff. With relationships mm-hmm, in their mm-hmm. early 20s. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm aware of that. <laughs> I never committed murder. Well, <laughs> no, I meant the more justifying the whole, like, coming over to your lover's house while yeah, his other that, lover is there. Actually, and, all like, of that, I can justify that. Yeah. Like, that stuff happens all the time. No problem. You, you can write that off. Yeah. <laughs> in our aged wisdom of late 30s, early 40s, we can see much better, you know, <laughs> hindsight and all that. I don't know what you're talking but, about. I am um, a spring chicken of no higher than oh, 24, wait. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So, Els Clodemans, we're going, I, and again, uh, for anyone who lives in Bel- Belgium, I apologize for mispronouncing any of these names, but I'm going to go ahead and put her as a two. Yes? Right next to Riley... Gall. Gall. That was the boy who wore the hoodie to scare his girlfriend. And then shot her and through, shot through the house. Yeah. That I one know this was... one's going. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, one. <laughs> <laughs> that one is, is mm, not cool. Yeah. They never are. I dislike him more than I dislike Alice. I'll go with, I'll go with that. 
mainly because he was, I feel like he was he's, more of a mastermind in his a piece of shit. He was. He was more said. on the egocentric. Yeah. Side of it. And then. now that I think about it, was there a jealous factor in that one? Like, yeah, because she she broke up with him. Oh, okay. All right. And see, he did the whole, if I can't have you, no one can. Yeah. Which is not what Els did. Right, right. Like, again, she didn't kill him. Right. She killed the other woman. That would be an interesting case to look at versus men versus women. Like, do more men in those situations take the Riley Gall approach and more women do that Els Clodeman one? Which could be. I don't know. That would take some time to work out, but... I would be curious. Because you do think, like... I actually, I do think the whole woman scorned killing the man, not the other woman. I would agree with you, except I feel like, because I feel like if I was in that situation, I would also blame the man. Right. But at the same time, I feel like I see more of the other way around where it's woman versus Yeah, I was just saying that if we go by stereotypes or whatever, I see more stereotypical a, but they always, they always frame it as like trashy people. Mm-hmm. Right, where you have this one trashy girl come up to this other trashy girl and have a, a fist fight in the middle of the street because somebody's doing something with somebody's man. Yeah. And he's usually, like, on the sidewalk watching it. Yeah. Of course, again, that's all stereotype. I don't know what's going on. True. But yes, that is uh, gross. And that's where <laughs> <laughs> and that's where Els Clodemans falls on number two. Gross. So. All right, second story. Our second story, for those of us who are new to the podcast, our second story is not a solved crime, so we do not have anybody to put on the scale this time. This is the disappearance of Ray Grycar, or Grycar, G-R-I-C-A-R. It was a spring morning on Friday, April 15th, 2005, when Patty Fornicola received a phone call from her boyfriend, Ray Grycar. Greek car. You do this every time? I'm just going to do both. (laughs) Ray was a 59-year-old, long-time Center County, Pennsylvania district attorney. And he had decided that day that he was going to play hooky from work. Like you do on Friday afternoons. Yeah. He had just recently announced his impending retirement. So he had started delegating work. And that uh, gave him a little bit more free time in his Good schedule. Good on him, Randy. 59. His name is Ray. Ray. Good <laughs> on you. Randy. <laughs> Mr. Recar. Uh, that's what's going to be the title. Just with a bunch of A's. <laughs> Randy. Okay. After ending their conversation, Ray and Patty tell each other, I love you. And Ray took his little red Mini Cooper on a scenic drive down route Sorry. <laughs> Rachel does not like the Mini Cooper, apparently. Mm, it's fine. You're, you're gonna give it, it's are you going to give Ray the okay? Yeah, Ray can have a 59, mm. what, he works for the county office or something like district that? Attorney. He's a district attorney. district attorney. Are you listening? <laughs> I am. I'm sorry. How old Do is you Ray? need to take notes? <laughs> <laughs> the vodka's anyway. Go ahead. I'm in it. Okay. Long drives were his way of unwinding because he's the district attorney <laughs> for Center County, Pennsylvania. Okay. okay. He's a big county. Ooh. He's a big man. <laughs> At 11.30 p.m. that day, Patty Fornicola reports Ray missing. Okay. He has failed to return home and has not returned any of her numerous phone calls. 
It was not until 5 p.m. the next day, April 16th, 2005, that Ray's car is found parked across the street from the Street of Shops, an antique mall located in Lewisburg, which was about 50 miles from his home. Inside the car, the police find Ray's cell phone and a water bottle, but no other personal belongings. However, as they process the vehicle, investigators note an obvious smell of cigarette smoke and found ash on the passenger side floor mat. Smoking was a habit that Ray abhorred. Mm. However, those two things were the only details that seemed to miss. No signs of a struggle or foul play could be found at all. A few minutes... Randy. (laughs) (laughs) A few months later, in July, Ray's work lot... You okay? Nope. Have some more vodka. Yeah. I'm just going to push on through. Here we go. Ray's work laptop, which had been missing since the disappearance, was found. Two men found it while fishing in the Saskatchewan? Nope. Susquehanna. Yeah. I practiced that. Okay. Susquehanna River. Okay. But the laptop was incomplete. Someone had removed the hard drive. However, two months after this find, a woman walking the banks of the Susquehanna River came upon the missing hard drive. The hard drive was within walking distance of the area where Ray's Mini Cooper was found, and unfortunately, it was so damaged by water and etc. that no inf- information could be retrieved from it. Fuck it, etc. That's piss. I was thinking, pissed on it. I, th- I, I thought maybe dirt <laughs> or something. Like that. Animals piss. It's piss. Ode piss. It's elevated with the more S's you put at the mm-hmm. end of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> no activity was ever logged on Ray's email, credit car- cards, or bank accounts after his disappearance, and he was declared legally dead in July 2011. The theories. So, uh, three-month gap, right? It went from April to July. From the original disappearance to the finding of the yeah. laptop. The when they, when, they, when yes. they called him dead. No, no, no. No, no, no. no. They, they wait like, oh, like 10 no, years. Yeah, he disappeared yeah. in 2005. He was declared dead in 2011. Oh, yeah, okay. You wait a long time before you do that. Yeah. But it was only three months between finding the computer and... Yes, so he okay. went he went missing in April. They found the laptop in July. And mm-hmm. then two months after that, so August, September, they found the hard, hard drive. drive. Okay. okay. And that's all that's been found. Yes. Before you get to the theories, like, <clears throat> what I think is interesting is... Let's just solve it right now. <laughs> Let's just do it right now. We can knock this out. He comes walking in the door. Hey, Randy! <laughs> hey, Randy! <laughs> Um, no, but so I think the thing that's most interesting to me is they found his car with his cell phone in it. Now, I know me, when I get out of my car, I bring my phone with me. So, yes, if, if he was disappeared at some point. Okay, I'm going to just poke little holes in that for just one second. Sure. One, if he was abducted, he couldn't grab it. Two... I leave my phone in my car because I'm old and I forget it sometimes, especially when you have kids. It like, has nothing to do with her being old. Like I just forget <laughs> it sometimes. 
So he and he's fifty nine. So in two thousand five. So how often? Like he had. A he's cell a phone. district attorney. Yeah. I bet he is used to having his cell phone glued to him. Okay. Yeah. Oh, in one of those little holsters, yeah. like right under the belt. Oh, I bet, yeah. yeah. He's got one of those dad holsters. But if you you don't want the a phone with you, right? Even in two thousand five, you knew about tower tower pinging and stuff like that. So if he was spirited away, or if he wanted to get away. You don't want the phone tracking you. Sure. So, with all that said, oh, unless you have any other. <laughs> uh, no, I just think it's, out? it's fun to <laughs> hypothesize before we get into other people's theories. No, but I, it does seem like he must have been like taken from his car rather than he got out of his car and was then abducted. Because I wouldn't have gotten out of my car without my phone. Oh, I see what you're saying. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, like, even if he got out of it with his phone and then got pushed back into it and driven off, or... Or I suppose they could have taken it off of him and thrown it back in the right. car when they, you know, drove the car to the same. we're not wall. cops. I don't we know. don't know what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> I think these are all legitimate possibilities. Sure. It's just, how do we narrow it down? And we're basing it off of one piece of thing, which is the cell phone. That's right. So... It was and a the, very well-worded sentence given to us by Joe that I have And the fact that he drove a Mini Cooper. All right, go ahead. <laughs> I think we could say all we can about that man based on that fact. Okay, yes. go ahead. Okay. Uh, he was short. No. Um, <laughs> the theories are it was possibly a suicide. Aww. The evidence to this theory is a little flimsy, though. Oh. But let's talk about it anyway. Nope. In 1996, Ray's brother, Roy J. No. No. They did not name them Ray and Roy. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Ray and Roy? Come on. It's, the, you know, the Greger boys. Or Greg, Greg, yeah, Greger boys <laughs> coming down the street. Ray and Roy. Oh, goodness. All right. All right. So uh, Ray's brother, Roy, committed suicide in the Great Miami River. Okay. Roy was a victim of severe depression, which can possibly run in a family. However, there is no definitive history of Ray having clinical depression. Okay. But friends and colleagues did report that Ray had started to act emotionally distant just prior to his disappearance. And yet, one friend, Robert... (sighs) (laughs) Robert... You know, when you write it down and you say it in your head, like, oh, yeah, I can do this. Okay. But then when but you then try actually to get, out of your mouth, just push it do you through want to just your mouth. Bobby B. <laughs> Bobby B. Robert Bit- Binner. I think it's just B- Whatever. He's the district attorney of Montour County. <laughs> okay. Uh, said uh, that not only was Ray very happy with his girlfriend, Patty, but he was also very close to his da- daughter, Laura. Also, Patty never said anything about him becoming distant. Mm. Just like local people at work. Yeah. Well, he was about to retire. Maybe he was trying to like cut those ties. Maybe he didn't like you to begin with. (laughs) Maybe. Investigators also discovered upon searching his home computer that Ray had had search history comprising of phrases such as how to wreck a hard drive, how to fry a hard drive, and water damage to a notebook computer. Oh, now that's suspicious. Huh. If he did decide to take his own life, it does not appear that he did it through jumping into the river. There was an extremely thorough search with helicopters, dive teams, and search dogs. As well as that year, the Susquehanna, Susquehanna River was unusually low. 
but no sign of Ray was ever found. So having all those things happen, it's almost impossible not to find his body. Right. If he jumped into the river. I'm just thinking of that scene from uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights when little John falls in the river and he's like, I can't swim. And it's like, it's like two inches deep. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. The second theory. uh, (laughs) I wrote Ryan. Um, (laughs) So now we have Randy, Ryan, and Ray. (laughs) Okay. Second. about Roy. Yep. Second theory. And Robert. We have so many armies. Oh my gosh. Sorry. The second theory, Ray walked away from his life. There is no real evidence to this theory, but there was some talk that he had met another woman (gasps) and was going to run off with her to start a new life. But Patty. But everyone who knew him said that he was completely dedicated to work, his girlfriend, and his daughter. No personal belongings were taken from his home and no money was ever unaccounted for. Some shopkeepers had said that they may have seen him in their shop either waiting for someone or talking to a dark-haired woman, but no one could positively identify Ray as the man they saw. There were also, after his disappearance, there were, like, tips and stuff like that of sightings of Ray. Sure. But including, like, one from Oprah Winfrey's, like, studio audience. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just, they're just known for having a lot of tips. Yeah. I see a lot of things. No, that, I mean, like, the, that he was sitting in the audience. Mm. Yeah. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what was in the audience going, like, hello, Oprah, I have a tip about this guy who's missing. <laughs> it's like somebody been watching Oprah all yeah. day long, and they're like, oh, my God, I know that guy. Mm-hmm. All right. The last theory is, of course, murder. It is quite possible that being a prosecutor... A criminal or criminals had a vendetta for sending them to jail. Some have even suggested it was a retaliation for failing to send a certain someone to jail. But no one has ever been linked. Hmm. It was And nobody ever found. And nobody ever found. It was thought that perhaps a family member or his girlfriend was to blame, suggesting it was in fact Patty who was responsible for the strange search history. Mm. Oh. Because they live together. Right. Oh, interesting. But no evidence to back up this area was ever found, even after they had searched his home. And all family members passed lie detector tests. Mm. Ray's DNA is on file, but even though it has been compared to multiple unidentified bodies, his whereabouts remain unknown. Hmm. Well... I have a thought. Tell me. I think there might have been something on the laptop he wanted to get rid of. Maybe he was doing some like dirty dealing stuff with a criminal and he was trying to extricate himself from it, but his partner in crime found out about it and got him on the same night he was trying to get rid of it. And that's the cigarette smoker. And that's the, that's, he's in the shallow grave somewhere by the river. The cigarette smoking man. Yeah. Well, I think the one thing we can say for certain is someone in his house, himself or family member, wanted to get rid of that laptop. Right. I mean, for sure, nobody just searches that randomly. No. So, I wonder, you do have to wonder, like, what was the motive there? Was it... That's what I'm saying. Is like, I feel like he did that because there was something incriminating, maybe against himself, that he was trying to get rid of. Because he 
I don't know, took a bribe or, or he's got some questionable emails or something like that. I think, I think he ran out of time. I think either he was hiding something or something was going down. And so he said, well, I'm retiring and I'm getting away from it. But then whatever it was caught up to him and it either caught up to him in a way that somebody found him and took care of their problem or he took care of his problem and then left to protect Patty and Laura. I don't think the leaving one works only because if you're going to plan for something like that, you're going to at least take money and he didn't take any money, but he may not have planned. I don't know. And here's, here's why I think it's possible, right? Because our father worked with a woman whose sister had gone missing a long, long time ago. And her sister drove to Florida for a wedding. And then they found her car abandoned by the side of the road and she was gone. So they spent years looking for her. Massive searches through swamps and stuff like that. And what she did is on her way back home, she just decided to get out of her car and walk away. She had no money. She didn't take any of her bags. She just left. And then she met somebody. They had kids. She had a life, you know, and, and she came back like 20 years later. I feel this is a movie dad watched. It didn't actually happen. No, it, he worked <laughs> with the lady and he said that her father had nothing, would refuse to have anything to do with her. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it does happen. Yeah. I Yes, I realize that could happen, but it's the destroying of the laptop. The only thing that, that makes me think that it couldn't be that he was somehow criminally inclined or something like that is that... Would everything be on one laptop? Like, they wouldn't find paperwork in his office. They wouldn't find anything in his home that would have been suspicious other than the how to destroy laptop. Like, there's nothing else he'd have lingering around. Like, post-it note. Anything that, on his cell phone. Anything that would have gotten him in trouble. Like, why just destroy the laptop? Well, if you're going to... Let's say he's doing something not above board or whatever. Right. You're not going to put it on multiple places. You're going to keep it as insulated as possible so that there's only one way it could get out. Mm-hmm. But even if it was like he was getting money from some other resource, wouldn't they be able to track that with his bank records and things like that? They would. And they monitored his bank accounts and nothing ever came up. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is like, what could he have been doing illegally that warranted destroying a laptop that warranted someone else maybe kidnapping or killing him that didn't involve money? Well, there was, so I mentioned that some people thought it was in vendetta because he didn't prosecute people. There was a story of a high-ranking official who was, got into trouble for, I believe it was abusing young boys. Oh. And he made the decision that there wasn't enough evidence to prosecute him. So it may have been something along those lines where it's like he did a favor for somebody. And, and there's some kind of email or there's something like, like, you know, somebody like, you know, he's guilty. There's this da, 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 da. And he's like, okay, but let's not do that. That could a, be in his hard drive. And a dad or a grown up young boy or something came after him or something like that. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. What do you think, Clinton? You're the one who usually solves these things. So. <laughs> and I've destroyed a number of hard drives. Um. <laughs> No, it is... Uh, He's on his, like, third life. <laughs> <laughs> his third identity. It is... And I don't know if it's just because it's the type of thing that usually comes out in a scandal, but my first thought of I need to destroy a hard drive was there's child pornography on it. 
Interesting. Now, whether that is his own personal or like Joe was saying, you know, like it was part of a case that he had wanted to ignore and not push forward. Like it it seems like clearly there was something damning though. So, but yeah. Interesting. But then as to what actually happened, because someone still did destroy the laptop. So did he destroy it? And then someone killed him? Right. Did, like, what What was really the, like, and that just seems a lot of coincidences on one day. You right. Know, like, and not only that, but there's obviously some exterior person as well, external person, because right. there was a smoker in the car. If that wasn't Ray, who was that? Right. And the coincidence is, like, if someone was planning on killing him, it would have been the wrong time to do it because he just randomly decided, I'm not going to go to work today. And I, right. I'm going to go for air drive and that means that if someone was trying to kill him they would have had to have been actively following him and or he had set up a meeting with them that day and not told anyone he was meeting them that's true but i mean like then that would have been somebody he was working with or, right yeah that's what I, that's what i think it was is that he there was something on the laptop that was con- that would criminalize him that he did something wrong and so he was getting rid of the laptop maybe even with the help of that person and then that person turned on him or they gave him his new paperwork and he checked out. I don't I don't know. I'm not buying the whole starting a new life. Well, there's no way that he's buried by the river. No way? It's a big river. Well, okay. If they took like a ATV and like drove it 70 miles with a dead body and then buried it, I don't know, maybe. But they, they searched it. They searched mm-hmm. it. It's not like they searched like a small area of it. Right. You know? And they had cadaver dogs and stuff like that. So, it, shall, shallow grave, the dogs are going to okay. find them. Here's here's the idea. Ray crashes the laptop. His buddy, his partner, whatever, kills him. That partner is sitting in the car smoking cigarettes with a dead body somewhere else. Wait, he's smoking cigarettes waiting for a, someone else to help him come and get the body and get rid of it. And so, yeah, they did take it somewhere far away and bury it. Yeah. I'm just saying that that's possible, but there's no way that he's dead at the river. Well, I was using that as a euphemism. Oh, okay. Shallow grave somewhere. I think we're missing the most important part. He was parked in front of an antique store. There was clearly a haunted antique. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, These things are cursed. Yeah, no, you got me on Um, that one. Well known. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Has that been looked into by the cops? (laughs) Right. Has that antique store always been there? The street of shops. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't I don't buy the whole disappearing. I think it's harder to disappear this day and age as well. I think you're right though that his that the, there are no coincidences in this. He took that day off with the intent of, of meeting a person someone. and destroying a laptop. And then what happened, yeah. I don't know. Things went wrong. Maybe maybe there was some extortion involved. Maybe he's like, I'll destroy this laptop if you leave me alone and the guy was like, no, I'm not going to and then, you know, things got heated or whatever. But I don't buy the whole, if he was as, even if it was to protect Laura and what's her face, Patty, it is Patty, right? Yeah. I feel like it's, I don't know, at some point they would have known, you know, he would have found some way to let them know he was safe or something like that. I don't know. There's something weird about that. I think, I think it's perfectly plausible that there was some, I mean, he's a prosecutor and there was something bad going down and he, he thought that the, I mean... At this point, he could be dead. Yeah. Um, I don't know how, what kind of health he was in or anything like that. But um, but I think it's possible that he didn't want to get anybody in trouble. And so he left 
and he took on a different name and maybe just became a street person. I don't know. Yeah, murdered. I vote murdered. Do you honestly think he's alive somewhere? I do not understand how they could not have found him if he was murdered. He was such of a high profile that they started looking for him the same day that he was gone missing. Right. Which they don't usually do. They usually say, well, you have to wait like 24 hours right. or, or 48 hours for an, for an adult. But the, but the minute Patty called, they started looking for him. And I think because of such quick action or whatever, they would have found something. But if he's helping hide himself, then I think there was more of a chance that he just left. I mean, it could be both. He was there. He was hiding himself, and then the people found him and killed him. Right. You know, or something like that. Like, I just don't believe he's alive. I don't believe he's alive anymore. And I think that, I mean, he is a prosecutor, so he probably knows if you need a new ID, this person makes new IDs, you know? I don't know. I feel like that's more of the movies. I say our listeners should email us and tell us what they think. <laughs> yeah. As always. Yeah. I'd love to hear from them. So. Are you are you team Rachel murder? Are murder. you team Joe walk away? Happily ever after. <laughs> what, is, what is team Clinton? Haunted antiques. <laughs> Haunted antiques. I think definitely not suicide. I don't even There's suicide. always a note. Mm, well, that's not true. But always a note. <laughs> All right. Just because you haven't found it doesn't mean that's not always there. <laughs> but yeah, that's a that's a tricky one. Good one. Spooky. <laughs> Haunted antique. Yeah, for real. Okay. The Mini Cooper ate him. The Mini Cooper ate him. The Mini Cooper's like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I hate my life. I'm a Mini uh, Cooper. <laughs> Mini Cooper takes up smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and, like, Selling antiques. <laughs> Brand new life. All right. Let's cite our sources. Okay. For the Belgian sky incident. Hello. <laughs> I mainly used articles from BBC.com and also Murderpedia. Those are the two things I used. And I used... The truecrimefiles.com and medium.com. Okay. All right. So that's a unusual murder brunch episode for us anyway. Definitely unusual brunch. Yep. But hopefully enjoyable all the same. Yeah. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Yep. Just search for murder brunch. If you want to email us, you can reach us at murderbrunchbunch at gmail.com. And our website is murderbrunchpodcast.com. And don't forget, you can also give us money. <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> money, if you, please. If you would like. But hey. <laughs> and if you do, you get an extra story. Oh, uh, yeah. That I will be doing. So join us next time for more mayhem. More murder. More snacks. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.